0: Edify the body to be in Christ. And we are so thankful this morning that this group of people in this place has chosen to be with you. We're so thankful, Lord, for your watch care over us, for your for your love and your your presence in our lives each day. I'm thankful today for Mike and Sharon, Lord, and for the the celebration of 60 years of faithful marriage, Lord, that you have honored and blessed and and, uh, multiplied over and over again. I am thankful that they have served you and given to the rest of us. Lord, I'm thankful for Tim. I'm thankful for his, his recovery and his healing and for all the others like Kathy and Shirley and others who've done this so recently, Lord. I'm reminded this morning, Lord, of Jen, Fuller and uh, the discouragement that comes when you think you've won a battle and you've really found out that you've just won one battle but not the whole war. So Lord I'm calling on you this morning to to intercede for her and Jamie and their family and Gary and family and and Mike and Sharon as they as they go through this again and uh, I'm claiming victory Lord, that you would do good things. Lord, there are others in our in our group that have lost family members, or that are remembering the loss of family members, and, and I'm thinking as we approach that time of missing, she's coming up on that again. And Lord, there are so many that are struggling with discouragement and and anxiety. I, I, we speak the name of Jesus. In fact, I think if we spoke the name of Jesus into every situation, maybe yes. it would change. But Lord, I'm thankful that you have given us the power of your Holy Spirit, the ability to call on him, the, uh, the confidence that speaking the name of Jesus changes things. Lord, I ask this morning that you would um, open the hearts and minds of everyone in this group, that you would give Jeff wisdom, give, his, give him words, hide him behind the cross, as they say, and, and bring your word to our hearts and give us understanding. And Lord, teach us to be people who are not just hearers of the word, but doers also. Teach, teach us to move out into our communities and our homes and and speak the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for choosing us. Amen. Thank you, Joy.
1: You may be it. <laughs> I was reminded uh, a couple weeks ago about the privilege it is for any speaker, whether it's uh, in a school setting or a church setting, that when people show up and give you an hour of their lives or a time to go to an assembly, and as students, you might say, I have to go, I can't skip, I don't want to get another demerit, I'm going to get a detention if I skip again, It might that be your <clears throat> reason for showing up? The speaker, the person declaring whatever message that they're trying to say, there's a responsibility that you are not going to get this time back, except for the fact Jesus can redeem the time. Jesus can show up and make it worthwhile. Jesus can somehow make it exponentially multiplying in your life. So it wasn't just an hour, but it was for him. And so. Um, I understand that. I understand summers are for vacations and sunshine, but summers are for the body of Christ to celebrate with one another, to invite others into the peace that only God can give. And so uh, this time that we give to the local church is not just something that we do out of obligation, but hopefully we do because we need one another And we are not the same when you are not here. And frankly, you are not the same when you don't join with us. So we are the body of Christ that loves to celebrate Jesus and his goodness together. We're also the body of Christ that understands that Jesus talks about money more than any other subject matter in the Bible. You might say, well, I don't believe it. Well, read the New Testament, come back with me with your study notes, and then maybe we can have a series on it. But it's not just so we can get, but so we can give. We can invest in others we can multiply god's goodness to us in practical hands-on ways so people can realize wow maybe the fact that they care about us might mean that god cares about me and instead of me knowing what the church is against i start to know what jesus was for and jesus was for people so let us be for people as well As we look at uh, Acts 12, I understand that Gerald Hunt, the week I was away, suffering in San Diego, he spoke on Acts 13, so I don't know if it's going to be the same message. It wasn't recorded, so I couldn't steal his ideas or uh, his verses. Jay did not share the notes with me either. So we're going to look at it perhaps different from what you heard before. But as we concluded last week, I wanted to be reminded Acts 12, 23 and 24. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship. He accepted the people's worship that is only meant for God. And because he accepted it, instead of giving the glory to God, he was consumed with worms and died. And in contrast, meanwhile, the Word of God, those that were professing Jesus, being persecuted, being put in prison, being killed, martyred for their faith, the Word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. This is from the Filament Bible app that study God. Herod's demise from a terrible illness contrast with the growth of the Christian church and the unhindered message of the good news. We often wonder, or you may think, unhindered. It was hindered. There was persecution. There was suffering. There were opposition against it. But the message of God, the gates of hell cannot prevent the church from being built. So Joseph. I thought of Joseph. I thought this guy tried to do the right thing, but he suffered. He was accused. He was betrayed. He was trying to do the right thing from prison, but he never could catch a break. And so living rightly or righteously is not easy, yet life is always better. I said something way back when, something does not equal ease. Obedience? Is that right? Obedience. Jay reminded me. It's like, hey, Jay took notes from like last year here, year, two years ago, whatever it was, I'm just glad you're back. But obedience doesn't mean ease. The fact that Joseph obeyed what God had told him to do, what the law had said, did not mean he had an easy life, nor will it mean we have an easy life, but the message of God will be unhindered as we pursue him. This is from Genesis 50, 20, the story of Joseph. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for Good. He brought me into the position so I could save the lives of many people. The fact that Joseph had to go to prison because God had a plan for his life that he could be restored. The fact that he had to endure such suffering, there was a plan in the end for that. What I've experienced from our life group, Wednesdays at 7, online or in person is henry blackby shares a story of i guess it's henry's granddaughter who was six years old and she told a friend who had christian parents like i'm a christian do you want to become a christian and this other girl said hey i think so like i want to become a christian and then these <clears throat> excuse me two girls got baptized and then there was somebody else and the congregation saying, hey, I'm young too, and I never had the courage to get baptized on my own, and so I wanted to get baptized. And then the testimony and witness of these three young children, it promoted a revival within that local church that all it took was somebody saying, hey, I want to obey God. I want to step up and do the right thing. I want to be in a position where God can use me and for perhaps many years you've wondered or questioned like, does it matter, is it worth it? What's taking place? And God has a plan that through the suffering, through the pain, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. So that's how the gospel can go unhindered, but we can't just stop at Acts 12 because there's more chapters in Acts and I'd like to get through it in my lifetime. So we must proceed. Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. After in enduring persecution, there were believers that came to faith because of the faithfulness, the right living of those who profess Jesus. Verse 25, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. The Bible was not written, as most of you know. In the chapter and verse. So when you read the Bible, you're like, this verse does not make sense to be in this section. I don't know who the wise guy was. I guess he was a king, so he's probably smarter than me, or he had the right bloodline. But he just thought, like, well, we're just going to put it all here together. But I just wanted to touch on this. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. Kind of awkward, kind of weird. Well, you have to go back to Acts 11. Yes, we're going backwards before we can go forwards. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch, remember Antioch, from Cyprus, remember Cyprus, and Cyrene so began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with him, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Remember, last week I shared three times up until this point and talked about they grew in numbers, and three times after this point, Acts talks about how they grew in conversions to Jesus. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. They sent who? to where they said who to where when he arrived he saw this evidence of god's blessing he was filled with joy and encouraged the and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the lord barnabas was a good man full of the holy spirit and strong of faith and many people were brought to the lord that's a second time then barnabas went to tarshish to look for saul I thought we're trying to avoid persecution. We're seeing the gospel grow because we saw the death of Stephen under the hands, rule, authority of Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there. Uh, Let's get to the bottom in parentheses. It was at Antioch. It was where? At? That the believers were first called. It was at? That the believers were first called. Christians. So this is where Barnabas and Saul were. This is what took place. They were first called Christian, little Christ, little imitators. It was kind of used derogatory. It's like "Oh, you're just like uh, a wannabe. You're just a little Jesus." Like you, and what they meant as you know negative, it turned into be positive. But when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, they returned, taking John Mark with them. So they returned from Antioch, where they stood up for Jesus, where Barnabas actually went to uh, Saul so God could use him because they chose to be used of God. They were made fun of, but not being made fun of because now Christians are known all over the world, not just for the religion of being Christian, but for us being followers of Jesus, for being a Christian. So let's move on to Acts 13. I know that made a lot of sense to you. You guys took notes, and you're going to remember that forever. Uh, I think a little bit of history is good, but let's move on. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas. Simeon called the black man. Now, I have to stop right here because uh, we're kind of like in a politically correct culture, day and age. And just the translation, it makes me laugh because it's like, Nothing is new under the sun. Simeon, who was from Africa, he was also known as the black man because people are kind of ignorant. And instead of learning people's names, we try to identify what is most recognizable. Jay asked us this question by the campfire. But what's the most recognizable thing about you? It's like, well, me? I'm Asian. What's the most recognizable thing about mom? She's tall. Beth, not my Mom, but I guess you were tall once. But anyway, I digress. And so uh, I'm digging myself a hole. So, but sometimes we just look at people for the most distinguishable what's most distinguished about them instead of getting to know them. It's so important that we get to know people's names instead of how they identify or what they want to be called. We get to know them as a person, the one that God created. So it's that, hey, Simeon, you know the black guy over there. We know Simeon. So instead of throwing in like, you know, Greg, the bald guy with a beard and he has a new tattoo, but we don't say anything about that. No, we know Greg. He's my cousin. He's a friend that I talked to that we've shared deep things with because he loves God and I love God. We get to know people for people. But even back in the Bible times, they are like, oh, the Bible is so antiquated. Well, you can learn a lot from the Bible because nothing's new under the sun. But they say Simeon, the black man, Lucius from Cyrene. Manion, the child compassion of King Manion, the guy with a terrible name, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. One day as these men were Worshiping the Lord and fasting, this implies they were doing it together. It wasn't like they were in one spot, another guy was in another guy, another guy was in another spot, another they were. And like God spoke to him in three different spots. This uh, says, it states that they were all together. That's why it is good to meet together. It is good to gather together. It's not only good on Sunday mornings, but it's good throughout the week. But if you get coffee together, you can actually pray together in a public setting here in the United States of America. You can Go somewhere, a park, and you can have a picnic and not just eat and talk about the day and ask about how did you raise your kids or whatever you talk about, but you can actually get together and pray and say, hey, I want to pray for you. I want to invite God into this situation together and ask, how can he give hope? How can he minister to this place? I would ask for prayers for a friend of ours, of our churches who has been given three to six weeks left to live. I visited with this individual in the hospital uh, yesterday, and they were doing very well for the situation, but I was just saying, you know what Christians are against, but you know what Jesus is for, and kind of sputtered a little bit, and Uh, looked at me and I said, well, Jesus was for people and we want to be for people. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And in the middle of your fear, she said, I'm most scared of what's next. I'm just filled with fear. I said, well, Jesus said that his love drives out all fear. I don't know exactly what that means. I know there's still going to be some nervousness, some tension. But I know that you can have assurance that there is hope in whatever's next. And whatever that means, whatever situation, was that taking advantage of a captive audience in a very unique situation? Perhaps, but I believe this is also what God calls us to do in any situation, that we bring Jesus in and we start to worship him. And sometimes you don't eat to eat, but you gather to fast and pray and to seek God's face and to see what he wants. To happen, And then you start to hear the voice of God. If I ask you, it's I'm not, but if I ask you to raise your hand, if you ever heard the audible voice of God, you need to do this. You need to go there. Most of us would say I've never heard the audible voice of God. But if I ask you, if you are reading Scripture, and it seemed like something resonated with your soul, your spirit, the one who created you, had a plan for your life, there is something that just spoke to you and you couldn't explain it, but it just revealed and it illuminated and brought out and brought to life the scripture and you felt compelled like you couldn't live how you were living but you had to change something. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this story, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work for which I've called them. They were worshiping. This is uh, to perform a public service, a public servant. This was not, they were worshiping because they were sold out for Jesus. They were doing the right thing because That's what they knew to do. Sometimes when you read the Bible, it's not because, oh, I can't wait. I'm so excited. It's, I need to do the right thing today. And as you do the right thing at times, God just shows up. In the New Testament, to minister, to serve publicly in religious worship, these were the priests of the Old Testament. These were the Christian teachers by implication in a more private sense. This is from the Greek study Bible. This explains a little bit deeper, the context, the history, the culture. In a more private sense, to minister to anyone, to supply monetary aid, they were meeting together as a group, a small group, saying, we need to hear from God. And in order to do that, I don't feel any inspiration or grand vision, but I need to do the right thing with you. So as we do the right thing together, we can hear God's voice together. They were fasting. They were abstaining from food religiously. And that was for a religious purpose. So one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for a special work to which I've called them Appoint. A point. This is from the NIV. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, The Holy Spirit said, set apart. So the New Living Translation said a point. This says set apart. What's the difference? Well, really, there is no difference except the Holy Spirit said to set off by boundary to limit. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God, I, I want to hear you, but I don't want you to limit me. I don't want you to box me in. I don't want you to say like these are the out of bounds lines and you have to stay here so you can use me. God, I want the freedom to go out of bounds. I want the freedom to go outside the box. But this was to be appointed, set apart, to stay within the bounds, to set apart for something, to select, to choose. This is also the Greek of what it meant to be appointed for a specific purpose. Well, God, if you kind of set me apart for a limit, like, come on now. Like the that lid, I was created for so much more. Come on, God, you you don't really realize that, or you don't know, like, I have so much more talent. And you're just keeping me confined. You're keeping me restricted. You're keeping me safe in the palm of your hand, inside your will, in the place that you created me to become. This is what they were Designed for this is what we are designed for to which I have called them The Holy Spirit set them apart to which I've called them What's unique about the Bible is sometimes we look at the characters of the Bible and we say all the good people Well, that was just for them No all the good people the Bible meant they follow Jesus if you follow Jesus it's meant for us as well This is which we've been called to so after more fasting and prayer because sometimes we hear from God and we're like, ah, too good to be true. Or we hear from God and like, no, I don't want to do it. And we hear from God and we're like, ah, let me pray and fast a little bit longer because I don't want to miss God's will. So the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. They laid their hands and said, we believe, we've heard from God. We believe this is what you need to accomplish, you need to do, you need to go. And he said unto them, this is from Mark, this kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting from the King James Version. Some things can only happen. This is with a demon-possessed person that was uh, exercised only by prayer and fasting. Some things only happen with fasting. Oh, but I love to eat. Like, can I fast like my TV show that's not on this summer? Can I fast like something else that I really don't care about? Can I fast... This fasting was food, it was for a religious purpose, it was for a specific reason. Some things only happen when we are in physical pain, so we can cry out for Jesus when those hunger pangs come. Some things only happen by prayer and fasting. If I ask you, when's the last time you fasted? For me, it's like, well, I slept through breakfast, but that was not fasting, that was just tired. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus. So you have four Gospels that all tell the story of Jesus. But only one book, Genesis, tells the story of Joseph. So the story of Jesus is four times more important than the story of Joseph. Though Joseph is a story about Jesus and his faithfulness, the story of Jesus is four times more important. That's why it's so critically important that we understand when we read through the Gospels, when you look at Acts, the second book by Dr. Luke, that there's great uh, authority, there's great depth or why it is written. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. Paul's first missionary journey was about to begin. I grew up in a Christian school. In the back of your Bible, you always had maps. And of these maps, you always had Paul's first missionary journey, Paul's second missionary journey, Paul's third missionary journey. And for those that like those maps, this is Paul's first. So you can do a Google search. You can look. This is Paul's first missionary journey that was about to begin. This same Paul that used to be called Saul that watched and gave the authority for Stephen to be murdered. This same Saul that Barnabas looked for so they could go together. Barnabas looked for Saul, knowing Saul's past, but also knowing that God had a plan for their lives together. He, Barnabas, wanted to be joined with Saul, who had such a negative reputation, but also had been changed by Jesus so much that he wanted to be united with him. The journey took them westward by the sea to the island of Cyprus, which was Barnabas's homeland. What I find unique is they went to Barnabas, his hometown. Would you want to go to your hometown and be the pastor, the minister there? Would you want to go where your parents are, your siblings are, your cousins are? Would you want to be the one preaching to them and telling stories and learning? And they're like, hey, I remember when you, it's like, I know you do, but let's not share that on Sundays. I remember when. It's like, yes, but and this is Barnabas, who could have easily looked at Saul and said, but Saul, so I remember, but they went to Barnabas' hometown, and he remembered what God had changed him from. So he didn't want that whole held against him. So he chose not to hold Saul's past against him, except Saul's future, which was changed by Jesus. His name changed to Paul. They were sent out. They were they were, out. they were sent out. This is a little hokey, but I like it, so bear with me. They were, out. they were. Out. So the Westland denomination, we have our district assembly Thursday, Friday. You can pray for that. Northeast District, 140 churches. It's uh, just about all of New England, New York, uh, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts. Our so 140 churches. I have to go to New Jersey on um, Thursday, so you can be praying for all of that, but of which we have five uh, Wesleyan colleges, Wesleyan denomination colleges, and this is Oklahoma Wesleyan, that every graduate receives, what's this? And people are like, you paid how much to graduate and get a diploma and a penny? Like this is like silly. And why do they receive a penny? You might say and don't say it, so you can have in God we trust. No, they receive a penny because on the back of every penny it says, it well, let's just read the big bold print, one cent. Jeff, this is the dumbest thing, the stupid play on words. Well, It could be, but I didn't give pennies to hand out to you guys, so you just have to remember it yourself. This is so you can remember that you are a graduate of Oklahoma Wesleyan University as one cent, one cent sent. One sent. What if we thought of ourselves as one being sent? What if we thought of ourselves as not one coming, one gaining, one multiplying, but one being sent? People have said, actually, Judah Smith, one of my favorite preachers. I love listening to him, and I love Uh, Sharing some of his ideas and his stories. He said he hears all the time people are saying, our church is too big. Like nobody says hi to me. And he says, hey, how about you say hi to someone? He said, like, we are in a position where God could use us if we understood. Like we're all new. We aren't family anymore, at least not today, because family likes our family likes to fish. and We like to go on the lake, and we like to be in the sun. So not today we aren't all family, but we are a church made up of many different parts. We are the body of Christ. We are those being sent that others might know we are one sent. You are being sent. I was going to get a penny for everybody, but I figured, hey, they're pretty inexpensive you can buy your own (laughs) and now this who is this what's this logo of Superman this is one of my favorite superheroes growing up this is Superman this is Superman this is actually Part of the reason why my mom actually made me a Superman t shirt and I wore the cape when I was little, like it was on the last year when I was littler. But uh, no, and so Superman, this is like one of the greatest superheroes ever. This is what makes DC comics actually okay, readable. This is Superman and Jim Caviezel. This is why I have my hair slick back, like, hey, little bit, come on. If you only saw it in your shirt, but you won't today. Uh, so there was a comic book that said Superman is dead. Superman is dead. What does Superman do? He helped people. He rescue people. Superman is dead. So uh, I stole this illustration and just in full disclosure, I shared it on Wednesday too. I stole this because what happened to the crime rate after the death of Superman? Most people would say it went up, but it actually went down because of relying on Superman to stop all the crime, to intervene, to do his Superman stuff. They said, we have to step up. We need to intervene. We need to get involved. We can't just rely on Superman anymore because he's not here. We need to get involved. You say, Jeff, you talked about a penny and a superhero. What a useless hour of my time. Well, maybe, but also just imagine If Jesus said, stop saying, let so-and-so do it, or they have more knowledge, they have more experience, they're a better worshiper, they have these gifts. What if we said, I want to be used of God to be sent out, to see my family members, to see my coworkers, to see revival actually happen. I remember once, I don't know if it was a vision from God or it was just a dream I had, but I remember once, thinking about like what would it be like to go into a grocery store and you just go in for groceries but what would it be like if there was just like such an overpowering overwhelming presence of god that instead of just going for your belt you walk by the pharmacy you walk by the cash registers you walk and look down the aisles and you see people kneeling You see people crying, you see people praying. It would be so overwhelming and odd and awkward, but what if revival is just about to happen that way in some unique place, whether in a supermarket, whether in some spot where God just says, I want you wherever you go to understand that you are one set out in the power of my name, Jesus, that there can be change, there can be conviction, there can be hope, there can be healing. Wherever you go, you don't have to just wait And pray on a Sunday morning, but people that are struggling with addiction, people that are struggling with abuse, people that have been in a place where they've been outcast, they can receive the love of Jesus wherever they are because God's goodness they can break and know Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong yes jesus loves me yes jesus loves me yes jesus loves me the bible tells me so some of you might only know the first verse but there's two others jesus loves me he who died heaven's gates to open wide he will wash away my sin and let his little child come in the faith of a child Jesus loves me, this I know as he loved so long ago, taking children on his knees, saying, Let them come to me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. This is a message we are sent to tell others. And now, this last video as a closing hymn that I hope, I think, Dad knows and probably Ten and Joy know and others know. So I need you to sing very loudly at the end and the words are on the bottom so we can follow along, but um, just listen to this story. (laughs)
2: A small white church sits in a tiny farming community in Michigan. There, a five-year-old girl eagerly awaits her chance. For her, it looks like a large crowd of 20 people for the Wednesday night service. As the singing began, she had her little fingers pressed around her favorite hymn, and then the moment came. Does anyone have a song they would like to sing? Like a rocket, she shot to her feet and shouted, Page 444, I love to tell this story, please. Suddenly she was bathed in a warm embrace of her favorite worship hymn. That was almost 70 years ago, and Gloria Gaither says that song is still her favorite. But who was it that penned the words that so inspired that little girl to great things for God? Let's find out. William Wilberforce, the Christian statesman and abolitionist, led a fierce campaign in 19th century England to eradicate slavery from the British Empire. He also advocated for prison reform, education for children, and the expansion of missionary efforts overseas. Arabella Catherine Hankey was born into this environment in 1834. Her father was a banker and active in social reforms in the name of Christ. Early in life,